Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale, from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time, to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Corey Summers, co-founder and CEO of Enablocity. Enablocity is a sales enablement as a service company that offers a variety of sales readiness and effectiveness solutions and technologies in a continuous delivery model to ensure ongoing support and success for their clients. Now, prior to founding Enablocity, Corey worked as a sales enablement leader for a number of successful tech companies for over 15 years. He's learned so much that he became the author of Whiteboard Selling. So what we're going to talk about today is what he's done, what he talks about, and what he writes about. It encompasses all of it. He's learned what works, and he's learned how to deliver value quickly, which is why I asked him to join us today. His background is important given the current environment that we're now facing, and I am excited to have him join me. Corey, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rob. So glad to be here in these uh, crazy times of ours. Yeah, crazy might be an understatement, right? I mean, We've gone through recessions, we've gone through wars, we've gone through crazy things, but uh, boy, this pandemic has done a lot of things, particularly in the, in the economic and sales world, right? Absolutely, uh, no doubt. What I am encouraged by, though, is uh, that especially in the high-tech B2B realm where I focus, uh, we, where we focus, we all, I'm sensing almost a business-as-usual mentality in terms of, hey, projects need to go forward, sales need to continue, targets need to be hit, product need, productivity needs to stay high. So I'm not sensing a, a huge amount of panic. People aren't canceling meetings left and right. They're still asking for proposals. Certainly, 
there's going to be a, a, a drop in activity, but I'm not sensing the, the panic yet at all, in the, in, at least in high-tech B2B. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's good. I, I, uh, I'm seeing lots of, of uh, people shifting. I'm seeing lots of ways, you're, but you're right. Business has to go on and, and we're in the world of sales. I, I've always said that we have the most important job. We have the greatest job in the world. And uh, what it means is we have to find ways to connect with people differently. And so that's what we're going to talk a lot about today is, is how do we adjust? How do we do that? I, I think this is going to be a really important episode for us. But for people who may not know you, can you just introduce uh, Enablocity to our listeners and, and where you fit and how you help your customers? Sure, Rob. So at a high level, we're a sales enablement as a service business. This is kind of a new idea, which is that, uh, you know, there's sales enablement consultants have been around forever. They, they drop in, they do some work, they, they leave. The problem is how do you ensure that the work that's done is adopted, is measured, is successful. And so by using a continuous delivery model, whether you're a startup that needs a full suite of enablement services from onboarding all the way to content, to training, to events, uh, or you're a large enterprise that needs uh, a helping hand, we just believe doing it in a continuous fashion is key. So it's not a flash in the pan. You've heard Rob, the term drive-by training, I'm sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> we don't want that. You've heard about playbooks that get printed, and the minute they're printed or even put online, they're, they're outdated. Out of date. Yep. So how do we combat that? How do we make sure that training is not a drive-by, that it's not a flash in the pan? How do we make sure that content is continuously maintained with field input? That's what we're all about at uh, Enablocity, and our our stack there's really four layers to it i'll use the whiteboard but i'll talk to it as well one thing that's not part of our business is the message we're not a messaging company you've got to have and what we find is most of our clients have a good clear differentiated message what they don't have though is they don't have that message in the form of a set of uh tools and content sales ready tools so whether that's a playbook or win stories or battle cards or objection handlers or whatever it is, you've got to have that content, that message in a sales ready format that's, avail that's available in all kinds of ways. And that's what we do. You also have some, you have to have some process. And I know Rob, you have a point of view on this. You don't want that process to be heavy handed. You don't want that sales methodology to be so overwhelming that it slows people down, especially in today's world. Yep. But we do believe that there are a few process pieces, especially around things like sales qualification, which I know we'll talk about. So we do that. Very important is training and certification. We partner with folks that do training. We do some training ourselves, but we do training and certification. Certification is, so, is such a passionate area for, for us because we believe it's one thing to train. It's another thing to certify that that training landed. So you'll hear me talk about that over and over again. I can't, I'm so frustrated when I see training done, but there's no follow through and certification that it's stuck. And then finally events. And this is obviously a topic for today is you can't do those, at least now those in-person events. How do you do remote events? But whether it's a kickoff or a QBR or a new hire training where we have a lot of expertise in, events. So that is our business. We deliver it in an, like I said, an ongoing continuous way. We have three kind of phases, build, 
where we build it out, <clears throat> we launch it at the training and the events, and then we sustain it ongoing. And that's where our technology comes in and we have a few targeted technology pieces. So that's our business. Nice. I hope that helps. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. So that's, that's super helpful. And, and so you work with a lot of different companies and helping them do this and make how they enable and how, and how they equip their salespeople uh, a competitive advantage. So for a lot of reasons that we are probably familiar with, talk to me a little bit about you just to, to finish it off and, and maybe your story. How'd you find sales? How'd you find enablement? Uh, you know, that's always interesting because sales is usually not something people say I want to do when I grow up. Uh, but, but, uh, then how'd that lead you to starting your own firm? And, and once we have that, maybe we can get into what we're going to do about it. Sure. Sure. So I got my start back in the early nineties at Oracle as oh, wow. an inside sales engineer. Okay. So I was actually selling business intelligence tools, um, over the phone in the first proven direct market, uh, DMD, Oracle DMD, the first proven machine for, um, inside yep. sales. They That's really where it all came from. A lot of people don't know that. that it all came from that Oracle team. Yes. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Twin Dolphin Drive in the early 90s. It was uh, quite a different time. Uh, and I was a sales engineer that supported the, the, uh, the, uh, the sellers competing against DB2, Informix, uh, Sybase, Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with this B2B sales cycle, this whole competitive in the trenches thing where I mean, it was kill or be killed. And I, it, was, it was so exciting. But to see, to take a step back and before you talked about what you do, ask the questions, ask the right questions to understand what are the pain points, where's the, what are the politics, where, what are the issues, and do the listening. And then customize the sales approach to that in your pitch that then follows. And so that whole dynamic of listen first, talk second, really started with that experience. And that's where I fell in love with enablement because enablement is the lever. If you think about the leverage point, what you can achieve with targeted enablement, and I say targeted because it has to be, there's so much you can do to change that, uh, to increase productivity and increase win rates and increase, um, uh, build trust with the prospect. There's so much you can do. And that's where I got, you know, I started training the other sellers and that's where I started falling in love with enablement and that shaped my whole career. Love it. What a great story. And, and for you to have your roots go back to where the kind of the successful inside sales model kind of came from. That's yeah. pretty cool. And cause a lot of the modern sellers don't even know that it sprung from that Oracle team. So that's, that's cool. So let's talk about now. Uh, in the last two weeks, um, the world has changed for sales teams. Um, I, I'm on the phone with sales leaders in 52 countries around the world. And I was talking with one of the largest uh, financial institutions in the world uh, end of last week. And they told me that as of this week, uh, they needed to have 100% of their people working remote and all the things that that involved. Some people had to be equipped different, you know, they had to have different pieces of technology and and a number of things. And their question was, Rob, what do we have to do to have someone that was used to selling our product face-to-face, uh, -face, kneecap to kneecap, eyeball to eyeball, to sell the same things uh, on the phone uh, without going eyeball to eyeball? And also, by the way, I can't walk down the hall and, and listen to their call. I, I can't do that anymore. They're, they're at their home. 
there's a lot of changes going on right now. And so my, my question to you to start is, you know, first, are you seeing the same shift that so many of us are seeing? Is, is, it, is it happening everywhere? Everyone's shipping, shifting to remote work? And, and if so, um, what are your thoughts about what sales leaders need to do about it? Well, I am seeing it. And you just have to look at Zoom stock. Uh, yeah, see, no doubt. And Slack, uh, right? You know, because they are getting um, overloaded with uh, requests. And I think it's, it's just a sign that, that that shift is here. Some people say maybe there's going to be some permanent uh, change. In that once we go to remote selling people, and I, I'm a believer of this, there's, there's huge advantages to this type of selling, believe it or not, in my book. I know that could be controversial because people like to get on a plane and fly. We had a remote selling offering six months ago where we were trying to say, look, you don't always have to get on a plane and and go shake hands and and you can build trust and you can even do better listening and better qualification remotely with the right tools and techniques that I'm happy to share with you today. And I I think it's 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 an absolute opportunity to improve qualification skills, to improve listening skills, to uh, build more trust, not less, to, to show less and listen more. So I'm, I, I think it's a, it's a huge uh, opportunity. I don't see any drawback. I think you need to um, have the right equipment, like you said, Rob, right? You, you look online right now, you can't find monitors. You cannot go to Best Buy today and find a monitor. Wow. Because everyone is out there trying to equip their home office. You can't find webcams. I heard that. Yeah, I had a friend tell me that he was trying to get a webcam and he could not get one. That's funny that you say that. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I'm firmly in the belief that this is, um, that we, we have an opportunity here to build incredible muscle memory around being a better listener as a salesperson with this new reality. And that's what we talk about in our remote selling mastery course. Delivered remotely, obviously, but I'm happy to go go into. Well, let's let's break it down into pieces and parts. Let's 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 uh, let's take this through. So, my first question is: Is there a different set of skills required uh, that we have to develop in these people to sell remotely versus face to face? Well, yeah, because when you're face to face, sitting across a table or at lunch, you're going to use your natural skills right as a as an interpersonal person but when you're remote selling ideally you're going to be using presentation skills because i think you got to be up in front of a flip chart or a whiteboard this is actually what you're looking at now it's not a whiteboard it's a wall in my in my house that i converted to a whiteboard using a 50 dollars kit a paint kit from sherman sherwin williams so I painted the whole wall and now I have the whole thing as real estate. So yes, you, you're going to have to build those skills in terms of being able to stand up and do the qualification and uh, listen and echo back to your, to your customer, use gesture, use eye contact. You can do that all remotely now. So yeah, I think there is some skill building to be done, but the beauty of it is you can do that um, skill building remotely. You can do training, remote selling training remotely, obviously. You can get people together in teams remotely. So picture this, you do a course and then you say, okay, you two go jump on a Zoom together, just the two of you practice, take a picture and then come back to the big Zoom room and share that. 
share that with the team, what you did. So there's actually more opportunity now for that kind of role playing than there was before. So let's, let's kind of dive into this a little bit more. Yeah. I don't want to do this in broad strokes. I, I think that there are for sure some specific things. I think that one, cause I've been both, I've been the guy that sold inside sales. I've been the guy that sold field sales. I've had people that work in my company do both. Um, I think that if you're going to move from being reliant on seeing someone and using your skills to make a personal relationship with someone, there's going to have to be a different way that you get people to want to buy from you. I, I, the one that comes to me is how do you become more compelling uh, in creating business cases over the phone? Are there any thoughts on that? I mean, it, it's easy come, easy go if all you got to do is hang up the phone, right? I mean, how, how do you become more compelling? Well, I think that's actually one of the things that hasn't changed is you need to, um, you know, the term situational fluency, right? Right. Situational fluency is always going to be the number one for me. And what does that mean? That means knowing your persona that you're talking to. Okay. Knowing the industry you're selling into. Okay. Right. Knowing the competitors you're up against. So persona industry, knowing the use case. And if you can, if you can have command of the message in these four areas, it doesn't matter if you're remote or in person, you're going to be so compelling. You're going to build so much trust. And this is what I just don't see in most B2B sales organizations. I don't see sales leaders who insist on situational fluency around. So for example, industry what are the win three or three to five win stories or maybe let's say two to three win stories per industry that everyone needs to know and can recite and can share with prospects depending upon who they're talking to if i'm talking to an automotive customer i don't want to share a retail case study i want to share an automotive case study so i think <clears> when you talk about building a business case the first thing is the build trust know your product, know your audience. And that situational fluency is the, is, is the most important. So let's talk about that then. That's, I like this situational fluency starts with knowing your persona and their yeah. industry. I like that. I agree with that. There's a lot of talk going on right now on should you be prospecting? Shouldn't you be prospecting? How has prospecting changed? Uh, I, I, I'm getting people reaching out to me like crazy and sometimes I feel like they know me and sometimes I feel like I'm just in a sequence or in a cadence that's being done with an enablement yes. tool. <clears throat> my perspective, my point of view, I'm interested to get yours. In the world we're in today, personalization is more important than ever before. That's what I think. I, I think it's not time for more casting a wide net. I yes. think that right now it's time for being more personal. And, and that's going to be super important because everyone's going to be in a different boat where we are right now. So can you, your thoughts around that, around prospecting, how do you do it? Has it changed? Yes. Um, any of those thoughts? So first of all, I can't tell you how much I agree with you. We call we talk about something called targeted account penetration versus uh, these dialers, these auto dialers. Right. I am not a fan of these things. I've seen them destroy SDR teams in a year. Wow. Because you're putting people through this, this, hamster wheel of, of dialing hundreds of calls a day. And once they get someone live, then they don't even know who they're talking to. You need to know who you're talking to. You need to do the research. You need to understand, look, persona industry 
um, upfront so that you're prepared to have that dialogue. And so only doing tar targeted account penetration, using the research tools that we have, using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, Zoom Info, Discover Org, whatever they are, and, and building a profile and then, and then targeting that person in five or six different ways, touch points, right? They call them. And that leads into the next point, which is what is a new touch point that we can use today in this environment? I, I've discovered a technology. I don't, it's not my technology, but I'll share it with you if you're, if you're interested that I think sets people apart. Uh, Vidyard has one, but also there's a new product called OneMob. Uh, actually, they've been around a couple years where it's a, basically what it is, it's a page that has a video intro and then there's content down here. And so you record yourself for 20 to 30 seconds here. And then you've got some customized content all in a branded interface. And the open rate and the click rate and the forward rate of something like this is so much higher than an email. Mm -hmm. I think people aren't picking up their phone right now. I know I'm not. And the emails that I do get, I, I've gotten a lot fewer lately, but the ones that I do get, uh, the one good thing they do do, Rob, is they're empathetic. That's the number one thing you got to do in today's age is show that empathy. Say, I know things are, are crazy right now. And if you establish that empathy, you're going to get somewhere. But I think using new remote selling technologies like OneMarab or Vidyard or other things like that. I'm a fan of Vidyard. Yeah, I like Vidyard's yeah. product a lot. Yeah. And so if you can be different with video, using your remote selling environment, which I'm happy to also talk about how to set this up, you can really make a whole new um, impact on your prospects. Than All right, before. so you used an important word. I'm going to have a guest coming on. I think it's the one that's after you is going to be talking specifically about empathy. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that's a, a important topic, but I think it could be a buzzword. You know, can you talk to me about what, what, what empathy is and how do you create empathy really? And how it's more than just saying something, right? It is. And it starts with, it's all for me, empathy is all part of qualification. Listening is if you can do the listening and then you can echo back what you're hearing, you're empathetic. So the simple act of listening, capturing what you're hearing on the board, and then echoing that back to your prospect is empathy in a nutshell. Okay. That's really all it is. It's not sugarcoating things. It's not, uh, right. It, 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 it's not, there's nothing magic to it. It's simply saying, wow, that must be tough that you've got all these mandates coming down and you've got to, you, you know, you've got so much to do in the next six months. Um, you know, that echoing that back is empathy. So I don't think that's changed so much. I think we need to do it more now, obviously, but I've always been a believer in empathy as a way to build trust because it's a, hu it's a human nature thing. People want to be listened to. They want to be acknowledged before you sell them anything. It's as simple as that in my mind. Well, so, I think what, what I was saying earlier is that the remote selling environment actually enables you to be more empathetic. Think about it. When you're in front of someone, the natural inclination is to start talking about, you know, what you do and how you do it. Here, you have to take a step back and say, well, talk to me about what's changing in your business right now that's forcing you to rethink whatever it is you're selling them, right? And let them talk. And, you, you know, talk about their vision and ask them about what, what they're thinking about. 
And so when you hear that, you capture it, and then you can echo that back to them. That's empathy in my book. I like that. And so what I really like is you, I've written down two things that you've shared so far. One is the situational fluency. And I think that in today's environment, that's maybe more important than ever before. It is. Um, and, And then the second thing I wrote down was empathy, because I do think that that's the catalyst, but I also think that it's a buzzword. I think so many people are trying, it's interesting how people are talking about it, but I just wonder how good are sales leaders do you think at teaching reps to be empathetic? Is that something that you can teach? Is that something you can enable? It is if you give them the right frameworks and the right training tools, right? That we have, for example, in our qualification training course, which is a simple framework for listening and then for echoing back. So yes, we, uh, we rolled it out for one of our uh, large clients globally. Obviously that rollout halfway through was canceled. <laughs> so now we're having to look at how to do that remotely, which is what we're in the process of doing. But yes, I, I'm firmly of the belief that there are frameworks and techniques that can give any seller, even those that are not practiced in listening and practiced in empathy, that they can build those skills and, and, and uh, build that muscle memory around that. Absolutely believe that. Any tips for sales leaders other than like have the right structure or framework? Can they coach that? Should that be part of how they coach? Well, absolutely. Uh, and that gets back to the certification, right? Is, it, is that once you do the training, you, you can do pitch training, whether it's a PowerPoint or a whiteboard. I, that, that's a huge thing for us is that you've got to certify people that they can deliver that sales pitch. And I can go into hours of detail on what I think the ideal sales pitch looks like. Um, but you've got to certify that you in a live fire scenario. What do I mean by that? I mean, you've got to put someone in that pressure cooker situation where there's a panel of buyers and they are, and this can all be done remotely, which is the beauty of it. They're up there giving the pitch again, slides, whiteboards, some combination, and they're measured on their presentation skills on their, Um, even before that, you know, their qualification skills, their presentation skills, but then also how are they handling objections? Are they sharing the right win stories? Are they being situationally fluent? So if you, if you model that mock sales call with a case study and they've got to sell against that case study, then you can measure things like situational fluency in addition to presentation skills. So yes, I believe that it's one thing to give someone the, 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 the training, whether it's qualification training or presentation training, but unless you certify and then do a leaderboard around that and videotape everyone so people can see what is good look like, what is the best look like, and then and they can see that. Uh, that's critical. And that's where I see enablement falling short so often is you get to the 50-yard line with the training, you don't do the certification. Interesting. So for people that are listening right now, so we have, we have thousands of people listening to you right now and they're all working from home probably now, right now they're all working from home. Okay. Yes. So what makes for good certification? I hear, I hear certification thrown around a lot and I, and I see badges on people's whatever their, their email signature, or they have a certificate that, that, that they get. What makes for good certification? How, how do you have certification actually be something that's meaningful? Because you've brought it up a couple times right now. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you have to make it consistent, first of all. So you have to have a standardized way of scoring. 
right? So if you have that certification, right, that mock sales call is really what anchors it. So you've got to have that mock sales call and maybe it's against a case study and everybody is measured on a set of five or six or seven things. And we, we go into this, everything from your presentation skills to again, objection handling to um, win story sharing to competitive knowledge, right? It's all built into that, but you've got to have that, that standardized scoring model so that from certification to certification, there's consistency. So you can't just have uh, a qualitative assessment. You have to have quantitative assessment as well. So if you're scoring on a one to 10 scale, for example, what is a three versus an eight versus a five versus a nine? You've got to actually standardize that. And if you're picking panelists who are your executives or your leaders, they have to be trained in that scoring model so that when they're delivering a certification, it's apples to apples from one person to the next. And so that is the one pitfall I see is that you don't have a standardized scoring uh, approach. Number one, you don't have a well-developed case study. You don't have a mock sales call. But then once you build that out and, and you do train uh, your panelists and you record all these things and then you score them in a consistent way, then you can build the leaderboards and the gamification and the badges and all that fun stuff. Now, there is another issue, which is what do you call it? Some companies don't like the word certification. Okay. It's a bad word. Some people then say, okay, let's call it accreditation. Well, that could be a bad word. So I've done it where it's not a push model. It's a pull model. So what do I mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, instead of forcing people to say, you're all going to get certified, you say, who wants to be the presentation ninja? Who wants to be the qualification ninja on their business card? Call it whatever you want. And you make it a, if you build it, they will come to say, we're going to do a competition. And only the top will survive. Only the top will distinguish themselves. And then they are scrambling to come and compete. And then you do it that way and you do the leaderboard and the badges that way. I've seen that work very, very well. And, that, and, and that's where with customers that are sensitive about this certification stigma, right? There's many companies that have no problem with it. And I'm a firm believer of actually that certification is okay, that it should be done. But in cases where it's, where it's not okay, use a competition and do a pull model and get people to say, hey, I want the bragging rights to be number one on that leaderboard. Mm. That's why I'm a huge fan of leaderboards. I'm a huge fan of TVs and offices. Obviously today offices are empty, but you can do remote leaderboards. Great product we uh, look at, Gecko board out there. It's cheap, it's affordable, it's quick to build leaderboards for salespeople. So that's where you can then take all this. But does that make sense? The whole differentiation. It you know, does. I like it. So, yeah, it, it does make sense. And, and you're right. We're, people are going to have to find ways to make this, this training that they give stick. I, I've got a couple more questions I want to get into it, but I'm going to go sure. back again because I, I feel like that you probably have more that you can help our listeners with. I'm going back to the prospecting thing. And, and so people, reps are still trying to prospect. They're still trying to find ways to connect. Is, is there a couple of messages or a couple of maybe approaches or things that you're seeing right now in this changed world. Like I don't like seeing people as kind of opportunistic carpetbaggers try to take advantage of, of a pandemic, 
but uh, is there ways that people can be helpful? Like for instance, our company, we, we came up with new pricing models, for instance, for existing yes. customers and people that were already deep in cycle with us that we probably wouldn't take to someone that was brand new top of funnel because it would just seem as opportunistic. But people that knew us, we, we came out with site licenses because you knew us and we want to make it easier for this to scale across an enterprise. That's something that we tried because we wanted people to think that we were being authentic and trying to help them. Any kind of thoughts that you're seeing be helpful right now? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on a couple things. First of all is I'm seeing a lot of companies that are offering these, um, you know, free services or free trials, uh, things that weren't free before are all of a sudden free service. Now I was watching CNBC the other day service now basically took a bunch of its products and made them free because they were particularly applicable to some organizations who were dealing with, right. You know, challenges in the, right. in this pandemic. So, uh, I like that approach. I think that's a good thing to do. I think the second thing is, um, like you said, pricing is that offer new pricing structures that, I mean, ours is already as a service. So we're not one lump sum up front. We're spread out. And so offering those pricing flexibilities is, is very important today because I think a lot of companies are going into that cash preservation mode uh, where they're deferring, things that otherwise would be in the plan. Okay. And so if you can say, look, we're going to do a um, things that were not as a service or, or were upfront, we're going to, we're going to defer them or we're going to make them, uh, you know, based on success milestones, we're going to, we're going to have the pricing roll out that way. So I think you're, you're spot on that pricing has to be a part of it. But I do think back to what I was saying before, in terms of pro- pure prospecting, I think there's two things you got to do with, with, the, with the, just the prospecting skills, if you will, is I think today with what's happening, people want more of that personal connection. They don't want, Love that that. Spray, they don't want a spray and pray model. So even now, it's more important than ever not to do that smile and dial. You need to do the targeted account penetration. And when you send that email, that email has to have relevance to that person about their background, about what they've done, about their industry, sharing win stories that are relevant to them and specific results. I always say, look, when you're talking about these win stories, talk about what are the measurable impact that you delivered for these businesses, share those up front. And then, and you know, there's different ways to structure an email, but that's where I think those things like one mob are great because you can share those instead of doing it in an email, share it over a video. So imagine not sending an email. It's the same content, but say, Hey Rob, guess what? Uh, I checked out your website and checked out your background. You have a great experience. Uh, we've helped several companies just like you, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Here they are. I prepared some content for you. You know, we're all going through this together, but I still want to share what's relevant and powerful about our solutions because business has to go on. And that's kind of how I would structure a 30 second pitch in one of those video uh, outreach products. And then they can inter- interact with that content. It shows you how you're inter- how they're interacting it, who they're forwarding it to. So you've got to set yourself apart now more than ever. And so doing that with, 
technology, smart technology, but also that targeted account penetration. That research is so important, which ties back to my point before about situational fluency. So you can use all that stuff in the playbook that you that you got that you hopefully you built and you can build it right into your outreach. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I love it. So what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing you say, and I want to and I can't believe we're starting to run out of time and I got a couple more things I want to talk about still. Now is not the time for just more calls or more dials or more volume. Now is the time for more personalization, yes. more targeting, more understanding, right? Right. And, and maybe even more authenticity. I, I'm a guy yes. that believes that we should always be authentic and we should we're have always sold that way. But now more than ever. Right. So that's what I'm thinking is you, if you built, you were talking about empathy before. I'm glad you latched onto that. We're all in the same boat. And when you say that, we're all trying to just keep productivity high and keep things moving forward. And so if you bring that message into your, into your outreach, I think that's a winning message. All right. So let, because I'm starting to worry about time, let's shift because I've yeah. only got a few more minutes with you. I can't believe how fast it's gone. Thank you, for, by the way. Um, right now, if you're a sales leader and you're, you got people that are moving to remote, what are the top two, three things, maybe come call it top three things you got to get right? Yeah. So I think number one is you have to insist that all your sellers get their remote selling environment set up. What does that mean? When you say get it set up, what does that mean? So that means having a, a situation like this where you've got either a whiteboard or a whiteboard wall. Again, 50 bucks to create that in your own home. Okay. You've got a camera that's importantly set at eye level. You'll notice that I'm at eye level right now. It's very important that you've got that set up. You've got the right lighting. You've got the right audio that you know the ins and outs of how to use whatever system it is, whether it's Zoom or WebEx or BlueJeans, right? There's some basics. We teach those in our remote selling course. But then after that, you got to know what is that, what does the qualification look like? What is the, how do you run a first meeting in this new remote world, right? What does that look like? And so yeah. we go through that, but there's some things there. And then, and that's where the empathy comes in. But then finally, what, what about the cut? What does the prospect want? They want to, they still want to know what do you do and how do you do it? So you've got to do a pitch, whether that pitch is a demo or a whiteboard or a PowerPoint, you have to certify that everyone can give that pitch. And so for a sales leader to say, look, I want all my people to have a professional with the, with the logo up here. I want them to have a professional remote selling environment. I want it to be consistent. So when it's one meeting versus the next, my brand is protected. Think about how important that is to have brand protection now more than ever. That's number one. Number two, how do I run that first meeting in this new world? How do I listen before I die and diagnose before I prescribe? That's critical. And then finally, certify that everyone can do the pitch or the demo in the right way. And this is no different than it was before, but this is even more critical now. Let me ask you a question about that. So let's say that I have a field sales team that's been calling on customers face-to-face for years. They've been working for me for five years, 10 years, whatever number of years, highly skilled, um, been with us for a while, and now they're working from home and they can't call on people because everybody's in lockdown. Do they need to be certified to do this, what this 
phone-based or web, or web-based? Uh, do I need to certify those people? Yes, because that is the only way that business can continue. Yes, you can say, hey, I want to do everything over the phone and not have that. But, but there, we, again, getting back to my earlier point, we believe this is an opportunity because when you do proper qualification, you build more trust, you expand the deal size, you expand the scope of the opportunity. And so now you have an opportunity to do this in this remote world. And, and so this can open up even more uh, uh, quota achievement for but, your, for your top performer. But that's what I wanted to, to, to get to is it's a new, like you're selling the same product, but selling it remote versus eyeball to eyeball, it's going to take different skills. It's going to take slightly, right. in some cases, slightly, in some cases more slightly. So even if it's someone that's been around for a while, they need to be trained and certified for this new way of selling. Absolutely. Because some of your top sellers are not um, natural presenters. They're relationship people. Right. And so you can say, sure, why don't you just rely on those relationship skills using your phone skills? I suppose that's what you would do. Or you could say, let's use this as an opportunity to build new muscle memory around this whole thing. And so this is an opportunity to take your whole team. You know, presentation training has always been a thing. It's always been a goal. But now we have an opportunity to say, I want to make these guys. Um, I just saw a tool out there called uh, present.me, I think it is, or presenter. I uh, got forgetting the name of it. It's a tool that will, it's incredible. It automatically analyzes your body language, your word choice, your cadence, your gestures, everything in real time. And it makes you, it literally makes you a pr better presenter. I'll get back to you with the name of it. But it's, it's things like that. Now we have an opportunity to do that and to, um, you know, I'm sure, Rob, you've heard about tools like Gong and Chorus. Yep. They're going to be now more important than ever because we need to record those interactions and get people even better. I'm sure their business is booming. Yeah, I know the people at Gong and Chorus really well. Those are two yeah. great companies. And that was where I was going to go next. So I kind of last thing before we wrap it up is – what should a leader do to make sure that when they engage and they do one-on-ones and they do whatever you want to call it, how do we keep the development? So if I was to say, what's the new kind of, for me, holy trinity of, of sales leadership, number one, it's still safety. It's got to be safety and health. Make sure that they know you care about that they're healthy and safe. Number two, how do we keep them productive? Right. Number three, which was always hard anyway how do we keep the ongoing development going on? You know, everybody's working from home. And now on top of that, schools are canceled. So I got kids running around um, and, and doing on, online learning at home, et cetera. What can a leader do to make sure that the ongoing development? So when I'm talking to you, it's not just checking in. It's not just reviewing a dashboard. It's not just talking about what you did. How do we make sure that in this new environment, we are still developing and moving forward? Great question. Number one is I think there is huge opportunity for, for remote training. Okay. So I think whether that remote training is around sales qualification or setting up your remote studio or remote presentations, you should be doing that. You should certify that everyone can, can reflect the brand in a positive way in this new remote selling world. Number two, productivity. You hit the nail on the head. I've seen it in myself already is that it's so easy to get distracted. Oh, I got to make another run to Costco to stock up. Oh, I got to do this and that. I got to get some fresh air somehow, right? I've got to worry about the stock market. There's so many new distractions in this world, Rob, that have a, a, a chance to really sink a lot of quotas. 
because unless you keep that cadence high and you keep that productivity going, you're going to take a hit. So what do you do? I think you offer more spiffs now and more competitions. Um, I saw this great product called Blueboard. You got to check it out. It does hmm. spiffs where instead of dollar spiffs, it's experiences where you now those experiences are probably not as relevant now because um, you can't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere, but that's an example of thinking outside of the box where it's not just cash, but I think doing more spiffs, uh, more competitions, more leaderboards that are obviously remote, but doing more of that now, because you're right, you can do more inspection, but that'll get old quick to keep right. the quality high. How We don't want more calls from our sales managers and sales VPs saying, hey, what did you do for me lately? Yeah. But if we do the spiffs and the competitions and the leaderboards and we tie them to proposals sent, uh, we talk, you know, calls, uh, discovery meetings, um, you know, uh, qualified ops, pipeline, whatever, you know, the, the, the same old things. If we are doing more spiffs and competitions and more visibility around these things, that's how we can keep things going in a remote way. And, and the investment will be worth it because people want that extra money right? Their quota may be suffering, but say, hey, look, we need to keep pipeline high. How do we keep pipeline high? Let's do some spiffs around qualified ops, proposals, discovery meetings, those kind of things. So does that, is that helpful? Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that you got to watch out for. As, as I've looked at it, I think one of the big traps is now that you're having everyone working remote, uh, it's going to be easy for it to become check-ins or right. you know, my, it's going to easily be seen as like just kind of micromanagement. What did you do? How hard right. are you working? And I feel like a leader has to be really focused on what's next, not what happened. Absolutely. And so doing the training to get people trained up, doing the, the gamification and the leaderboards, uh, thinking outside of the box that way, I think is, is going to be important. All right. I think, I think also, Sales leaders can use opportunities to check in with their people and, and connect with them using empathy, like you said. So not calling up and saying, hey, what, where's your pipeline? How are you doing, Rob? How are things going? What are, you, what are your anxieties right now? What are you worried about? And so showing that empathy to your own team, let alone your prospect, is going to really earn you that loyalty and that credibility that you need right now. I love it. Listen, man, we've, we've run out of time. I like to finish everything the same way. So we're going to take the last few minutes and go through our rapid fire and kind of get your thoughts on a couple of things that I think will be a good way to wrap this up. First of all, before we go there, Corey, it's been great. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Uh, it's interesting to get your perspective as you work with people going through this time. And I want to thank you for sharing some of that with us. But I got three questions, man. You ready? Sure. Okay, number one, biggest sales leadership challenge that you see facing leaders in the current environment today and your recommendation on how to overcome it? Oh, boy, I think it's going to be the productivity. Hmm. Back to this point, I think there's going to be a massive uh, shortfall in productivity. And, and guess what? Back to my point on remote training is if you're a leader and you give someone remote training skills, if you give your team remote training skills, they don't have an excuse now to say, oh, I wasn't able to get on the plane and I wasn't able to move this opportunity forward. 
give them the skills that they need that are relevant now and they don't have that excuse. So I think, I like I think maintaining productivity levels and morale levels uh, is going to be absolutely the number one challenge. We didn't even talk about morale and you just hit it. I, I think you're right. I think morale is going to be the thing. I, yeah. I think you're right. Um, people, are getting, people are getting depressed over this for good reason. Yeah. They're, they're predicting divorce rates are going to skyrocket. They're predicting that therapists are going to have the biggest windfall ever. I mean, it's, it's the morale and the anxiety is a definite issue. And we've got to make, and that's where the gamification can come in because it makes things fun and interesting. So instead of checking the stock market every day, you're checking where you are at this on this leaderboard every day. All right, number two, um, that was a good one. I like it. When you're interviewing uh, salespeople, when you're hiring salespeople, and some people are still doubling down and hiring, what's your favorite kind of go-to question or topic, and what are you looking for when you do that when you're interviewing? I I like the good old-fashioned. Tell me about how you ran a. Uh, high six or seven figure sales campaign from beginning to end, take me through that and, and see if they can. And it's a, it's kind of a trick question because I don't want them to take uh, three hours to tell me the answer. Okay. And the reason I don't want them to take, because you've heard, you've heard the old adage, the person who talks most loses. Yep. Well, guess what? That applies to three things in my opinion, sales, dating and interviews. Interesting. The person who talks most loses. You don't want to be talking. You want to be listening. So when I ask that question, I want to see, first of all, how did they run that sales campaign? But second of all, I want, I want to see if they actually waste my time for five to seven minutes taking me through an Odyssey Homer book of, of right? To, to, that's a bad sign to me. No tales of brave Ulysses in an interview is what you're saying. I don't want that. <laughs> I, if, that if they're going to do that, guess what? They're out. I'm nice. out, right? Shark okay. Tank, whatever. So like that's it. the reason I asked that question is, number one, I want to see if they know what they know. And number two, I want to make sure they know they cannot go on forever because that's a bad sign if they do. Really good one. Last one. We found that leaders are readers. And uh, the great leaders are always trying to increase their knowledge. And I don't care if it's turning pages or listening to audibles or doing it in bite-sized chunks on podcasts or blogs. Anything that you would recommend to our listeners that want to raise their game right now at this, this really important time? You know, I come back to a very simple book that I, that had a big impact on me. Uh, It's called go for no. And many of you have read it. It's a popular book, but there's a lot of salespeople who haven't read it. And let me tell you now more than ever, we need to be going for no, not in that, not in a smile and dial way, in a targeted account penetration way, as I talked about, in, an, in, a, in a smart way, but we still need to be going for no. And, and if we can say, I want to get uh, 100 no's this week, that, 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 that now more than ever, we need to do that. Now more than ever, we need to collect those no's because we know that with those no's come yeses. And so go for no, it's a simple book. It's a, it's a four or five hour read. Everyone on your team should have this book and read it, in my opinion. It's not the most um, strategic, uh, flowery book out there. It's a simple book, but it's a powerful book. 
I appreciate the recommendation. This has been good. I can't believe we're out of time, man. This has been a great conversation. You've shared some really good insights. You've shared some really good ideas. You've given some tactics that our listeners can, can use as they make their adjustments and their go-to-market. How do people get more of you? If they want to connect with you, if they want to con- keep the conversation going, if they want to learn more about Enablocity, how, how do they get more of you and, and how do they keep that going? Well, they can obviously go to enablocity.com where you can go and you can put in your goals, your enablement goals. It will, it will calculate that, actually show you the best fit offerings that we have based on those goals, kind of customize it for you. They can um, explore our website. They can send me an email, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at enablocity.com. We're happy to, um, you know, get on a a Zoom or other meeting and show you the, the qualification approach that we use. And, and why it's so powerful. But uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Great questions. And I'm, uh, I'm really, when I, when I do things like this, I'm really hopeful that we're all going to make it through this uh, in one piece and keep business going. Well, I appreciate your willingness to contribute to the sales, uh, the, the kind of the sales uh, community that we have. I'm, I'm a proud member of the sales community. And, and I find that we have an abundant mentality most of the time. And so guys like you that are willing to come on and share that, I, I really appreciate it. So Corey, I appreciate it. I, I, I love how you shared situational fluency, uh, empathy, your emphasis on productivity and some of the changes that leaders need to make in order to keep that going. Is there a final thought before we separate and go, or, or go back to business? No, I'm just, I think people need to find tools to, keep, to, sit, to stay positive and to stay hopeful and through this. And the, and the best way of doing that is to, is to do, is to, is to keep doing what you're doing and explore these new approaches and these new techniques. And if you get in the rut of not doing, then that's where the risk is of just falling into a, a, a productivity black hole and nothing happens. So. Yeah, this is not a time to hunker down and, and hope the destroying angel passes over. Right. It, I like that. Be a doer right? The doers are the ones that will, that's a great way to end Corey. I love it. I do it as I say, do, do 10 videos or maybe even just set three videos a day, email videos a day that I'm going to send the prospects, set a goal for yourself. That's what I've been doing. And if you do that, I think you'll, you'll make it. Okay. It's Corey Summers, founder and CEO of Enablocity, helping us remain productive and keeping our morale high uh, and avoiding those tales of brave Ulysses. And as I say to everyone, Corey, happy selling. Thank you, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and and for helping us showcase great leaders like Corey discuss tactics on how a sales leader can help every rep connect more effectively with each person they contact, especially during challenging times like these. Because that's exactly what outreach is all about, helping each rep connect with prospects in ways that matter to those you reach out to. Outreach will help you create sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for, and they'll do it at scale very, very quickly. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. That's why they're a manager and a salesperson's best friend. Now, I hope you found this conversation with Corey as timely and as helpful and as relevant as I did. He helps sales teams become more effective much faster. He's been around every step of the evolution of the modern sales org, and I think his perspective is a really good one. What hasn't changed today is the importance of engineering experiences that build trust. 
So I want to talk about trust for a minute. You know, this was a great podcast and go back and listen to Corey. He gives some amazing insights, but trust is an area that I, I, I think a lot about. I talk a lot about, I think it's really, really important that we think about this as leaders and as salespeople, because I believe trust is the currency of relationships. It doesn't matter if it's a professional relationship or a personal relationship. You need to engineer experiences that help you create trust. It was very interesting for me to hear how Corey sees enablement as a way of preparing salespeople to build trust, not just start opportunities. So I want to just think about this for a second. I have something that I've, I've, I've really thought about and I do a lot of speaking on this because I think trust is something that lots of people pay lip service to, but I really think very few understand it very well. I think for too many, it's like that senator's definition when he was asked if he could define pornography. And he said, I can't define it for you, but I know it when I see it. I think trust is the same thing. It's hard to define, but we know it when we see it. One, one time I was asked several years ago to speak to a large group of over 2,000 people. And the topic they gave me was how to become a trusted advisor. And I actually kind of made fun of the topic in that speech that I think trusted advisor is a buzzword and it's not very well uh, defined and it means different things to different people. And to demonstrate just how non-scientific that concept of trust and trusted advisor is, I asked them to each take out a piece of paper and write down any synonyms they could think of in the word trust in like 60 seconds. And I gave them that minute and then I asked them all to kind of turn and huddle up into little groups, which was pretty interesting to see, you know, 2,000 people huddling up in groups. And I had one person in each group, you know, quickly read out their words to everybody. And if every single person in the group had it, they would circle that word. And if even one person did not have it, they would scratch it from the list. And what I was looking for is how many words would every single person in the group have that they all agreed were synonymous with the word trust. The, what happened was really, really interesting. Uh, I've done this exercise well over 100 times, and the results have always been the same. Every time. Very few teams have any words. They get a zero. They, they could not have every single person in the group agree that this is what trust meant. Some get one, and every now and then I'll see two show up, but that's only if it's a really small group. Most of the time, the, the, the overwhelming answer for each group is zero. Now, you think about what that means. That means that everybody has a different opinion and has a different definition of what trust means. There is no consensus on what trust means. So the point here is trust means different things to different people. I have, however, as I've done this, found three words that come up most often. And this is what I want to focus on. The three words that the most often are all agreed on by somebody, by a group, would be honest, reliable, or helpful. Now, in the absence of a relationship, the simple fact is most people don't trust salespeople. So if you aren't in a situation where there's a relationship, make sure you're engineering experiences that allow you to demonstrate that you can either be honest, reliable, or helpful. Find ways to allow yourself to do what you say you'll do. Find ways to have people learn that when you say something, they can count on it. And finally, find ways to let people experience that interactions with you help them solve problems they care about or achieve results that they care about. But engineer experiences that allow you to build trust. That's what will differentiate you faster than anything else. All right. 
Thanks to Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Outreach is for sure the, the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue building efforts and check out Outreach today. Your reps will thank you. Your customers will thank you. Your team will accomplish more with the resources they have if you add Outreach to the equation. It was no accident that G2 Crowd just listed them as the number one sales software tool. Okay. I also want to thank Corey Summers for joining me and, and sharing his insights. I loved his thoughts about how enablement can help you build trust. And now is a time where trust matters more than ever. It was a fantastic conversation, and I appreciated his willingness to share with each one of us. But mostly, as always, thank you to each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow each week. I can't thank you enough for the support and the shares. If you like today's show, please, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star re review. It is the very best way that we can grow. We can get access to more people. Uh, but here's to building trust. I hope that you can find ways to, to engineer trust in a very authentic and intentional way. And with that, I wish you all a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com. <laughs>